The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Welcome to Monday Night Unprotected. No, mm. wait, that's not Ooh. right. Um, welcome to the two-man forecheck uh, four podcast. Um, it is the second full week of the season. Yes. The Injury Ninja is uh, making sure that everyone knows he's there or she's there. Um, we have uh, that story to cover. Um, a return from injury is pending, uh, you know, assuming a guy signed, gets a certain big name guy gets signed. Um, the Great Pride uh, tape debate enters a new phase, and we have some interesting records to start the season. How can you, where how, oh where oh where do how we can want you to have, go? How can you have another phase to pride tape? I look the NHL <laughs> made it very clear, very clear that no one was to use it by creating a rule. Yes, they said that it, it it's banned. If I'm not banned. mistaken, they did <sighs> banned. And a player okay. went ahead and used it. <gasps> no. Is that yes. Bad? Well, we need to open with this then because this sounds like a, a controversy just waiting to happen. Absolutely. So, and this is via Bob Cronin of Newser. Yes. On the 22nd, he posts that Travis Dermott uh, of the Arizona Coyotes had wrapped his stick for their home game on Saturday night. That would have been the 18th, 19th um, with pride tape, despite the NHL ban. (gasps) I know. And the NHL said it will review Dermott's actions before before saying whether the Defenseman will be punished for violation. It's not a laughing matter, but this is just, it just sounds it's a, look, this is every bit as serious as headshots and spearing and deliberate attempts to injure. Oh, this is definitely a deliberate attempt to I injure. Mean, I don't know what. I mean a broken rule is a broken rule, and if we if they don't drop a planet on him, they are just abandoning any credibility. Are you saying the Bruins went too lightly on Jake DeBrusque for missing a meeting? They he didn't drop a meeting. Plane. He was late for the meeting, and he first was they should have bought him out. Bought him out? Well, they, they just made him sit for the game, and he owned up to it and said he was late. He broke a rule, and he, he did his time, and now he just wants to help the team. But anyway, back to Travis Dermott. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract or, or Di, di, whatever that word is I'm supposed to use. But I digress. Yes, that's a, that's a. So he puts Worse. tape on. So he so Travis puts tape on his stick when he's told he's not supposed to. Can't do it. Banned. Uh-uh. Yep. Did he do anything special about the tape? Was it like. It was on his stick and visible for the world to see in an NHL arena. Well, that's just awful. The fact that he's got rainbow-colored tape on his stick. I mean, and worse than this, the infection is spreading. 
the infection. Are you banging on the desk? It's actually vibrating through the microphone. (laughs) As it should. This is very important. John Merrill of the Minnesota Wild told The Athletic earlier this year that he was considering using this very special tape from Jeff McClain at Pride Tape. Okay. And he went so far as to disrespect the league, not only in actions, but in words. What is the league going to do? Take me off the ice? Give me a penalty? Then you look bad as a league, he is quoted as saying. How dare he point to the ridiculous logical inadequacies of the NHL and lay them out there where everyone has already been seeing them for years? Banned for life. Banned for life. The man should be banned for life. Well, let's see. The game that he used the allegedly, uh, is it allegedly or we're definitely sure he used the tape? We're definitely sure he used the tape. So it's not allegedly. Okay. So in the game in which he utilized this tape, Arizona Coyotes won two to one over the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Um. Apparently, Travis Dermott also used this tape when he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2021 because he has some family that is involved in the LGBT community. So I'd like to step in and forward and in the future take part in supporting them vigorously. And, oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure the Coyotes support what Travis is doing because um, they're going to be the first team to have a pride night and it's coming this Friday. That's utterly beside the point. He broke a rule. Get him out of the league. As of Sunday, the coyotes have not heard from the league regarding any kind of uh, remuneration or any kind of penalty. He was on the ice for 17 and a half minutes of playing time. Okay. This this sort of offense cannot be allowed. Uh, Right, because the one thing that everybody at the game was focused on was whether Travis Dermott had rainbow tape on his stick. Whether they were focused on it or not, all 4,000 people and change. Had nothing to do with the fact that I don't know. The Coyotes won. Had nothing to do with the fact that you know they're actually doing well this season. No, they focused primarily on his tape. I don't think so. Actually, I, I'm pr- I'm pretty certain that the Ducks were so offended by the tape that that's why they lost. Are you in? Are you trying to in some way? make me believe that they threw the game? No, I, I think that they were they, they were morally appalled and just shocked and paralyzed morally by, by, this, by this transgression. Oh my goodness. The absolute travesty of rainbow colored tape on a 10 inch piece of what is it? Polymer and press board? I mean there is literally nothing worse that could ever happen in the world. Just, I mean, if you look at the map uh, of the world and you look at, I don't know, that 
region right on right on the Mediterranean, a little bit north of e- uh, a little bit north of Egypt, um, south of Lebanon. Nope, there's nothing worse going on there. There's nothing worse going on just south of uh, just north of Germany and south of Poland, uh, south of uh, Finland. Nope, nothing going on there. Um, that's worse. We need to make. They obviously need stricter enforcement of the rules. This is no. See, no, just no. He actually. How much did you actually say? How much? Because yes, Jake, the the co-founder. Seventeen minutes and twenty nine seconds of ice time. No, no, but you really. And I know you mentioned Jeff. I know you mentioned the the owners of Pride Tape and my. But apparently, he ordered a shipment from them. He ordered a shipment of tape last week. This ban was put into place when? Over the summer. Well, he ordered the tape last week and has already stated that he plans to use it throughout the season. And the answer from the NHL as far as punishment, they will they will look at it in due time. What is that? Well, here's the thing. There was a later development than the story uh, that we're working from. Uh-huh. Greg Wyshynski, um of ESPN yes. posted that the Arizona Coyotes had not been informed of any pending NHL punishment for Travis Dermott or uh, the team uh, for the scandalous nefarious this was, this was as of yesterday unsupportable use of the band tape so th- was this as of yesterday or is this story newer than yesterday as of yesterday it, yes yeah that's that's what i had in the the one that i was looking at was from who the heck knows uh story by jessica bame my apologies to jessica at the at axios phoenix um and she also reported that as of Sunday, the Coyotes had not heard anything from the league about punishment. So um, you're going to drag your feet. You don't really want – see, that's what it is. They don't really want to punish him. They don't want to call any more attention to this than no, no, no. has already been called to it. It, it, it. That's the impression I'm getting. It's like, okay, we banned it, but – we just assumed that nobody would actually challenge us on it. Now Travis Dermott has challenged them. They have to sit down and either A, figure out what the punishment is going to be because they don't have any idea what they're going to do to him, whether it's going to be a fine, miss a game, whatever. I would think it would only be a fine, but. They're going to take his stick from him and make him tape, put new tape on it. Well, Certainly, yes, I can see that that might be part of the 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 punishment that's handed down. I don't like that word. They're going to make him hand edit all of the footage of the game to ensure that there's no additional, there's no visuals of the tape. <laughs> He's going to Photoshop the tape of the game. He's going to sit there with Adobe Creative Cloud and he's going to Photoshop every reference to pride tape out of the game off of his stick. It's the only way to do it. It's the only. This is this is foolishness gone. This is foolishness gone amok. Run amok. I'm sorry. I can't pretend to be serious about it anymore. (laughs) 
No, I I couldn't do it from the start. I was laughing. This is ridiculous. It's tape. What? He has members. He, he, he's come out and said some members of my family have connections to the LGBTQ community. Leave it alone, NHL. Stop. The more you call attention. That's the thing is the more they do this, the more they're calling attention to something that they don't want to call attention to. Like the best part of this is with with them officially doing nothing already. The next time a player or even a whole team of players does this uh-huh they have literally no standing to go ahead and enforce it it was a I, dumb rule when they made it it's it, a it, dumb rule it was a dumb rule a week ago it's a dumb rule now exactly and that's what i was saying is that the the, the fact that they're going to do something about it in due time they don't want to deal with it they're hoping it goes away I, it's just it's ridiculousness run amok. It really is. I want to know how they got around to passing the rule with absolutely clearly no intent of enforcing it. They, I don't even think they got to the part of the part of the rule where they said, all right, this is the this is what's going to happen if you break the rule. They never got around to whatever the the. The word I'm looking for again with the word punishment, the, the uh, penalty, the whatever. Yes. What was going to be what he was going to have to face? What what if it, what a player would face if they broke this rule? They never got around to establishing that. No. <laughs> it, it, look, I I can't take it seriously. I, I, you, right now, I can't take the NHL seriously. Whether you think it should happen or shouldn't happen, or the Pride Nights, or the jerseys, or the, whichever stance you have, you can't genuinely believe that passing the rule made the league look good. No, it didn't. You can't gen, because of that. You can't genuinely believe that enforcing the rule will make the Teat League look good and not enforcing the rule also doesn't make them look good. Which leads to my final question. By not enforcing the rule, by deciding in due time, quote unquote, how many more players are going to John do, Merrill? Are going to join him. John Merrill, okay, that's one. What but how many more? Next, in, um, next time around, you'll have Anderson Dole. Isn't he the one who has two mothers? I believe so. It's, uh, name sounds right. Yeah, I think so. Very interesting. Dolan, maybe? Dolan, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sorry. Because you aren't doing anything about it, you created the rule hoping that everybody would just play ball, so to speak. Sports. It's. Euphemism. I'm it's sorry. Really, I, they, I just don't understand why they painted themselves. Was a good idea. They the NHL painted the NHL upper the NHL 
upper brass, whatever you want to call them. The, 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 they painted themselves into this corner, and now they're not getting out of it because Never. they're not bothering to deal with it. Like if they quietly refer, like if they quietly kill the rule at like the general manager's meeting or the uh, owners ownership meeting, it's going to get out. And it, like there's there's no good luck here. They 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 legitimately have to wait until like ten minutes after the Stanley Cup is hoisted to repeal the rule. And hope that no one picks it up over the summer. <laughs> yeah, you can't. They can't read. Yeah, you can't repeal this. You can't repeal this during in 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 season. You're gonna have. They're gonna have to ride it out. And the more players, the challenge. Have to wait until after, until like four or five days after free agency starts, when almost no one is paying attention. <laughs> after the beginning of August. I'm sorry. This is just no, no, no. This is bad. They, I, they. Wow. Can you honestly say that the NHL? I, I believe, I believe that the NHL did not expect anybody to do this. I, I hate to say it. I honestly oh, believe I, that Batman and the rest of the officers actually believed that they made this rule and everybody was just going to follow it and go along and. Which is utterly ridiculous. They've made rules about headshots, and people still keep delivering those. Like, I do not get any of this, and we've spent enough time on it. Um, yeah. Thank you, Travis, for providing us with something to talk about during the first two weeks of the season. That's at least entertaining. I, I, yeah. And it seems we can't go very long without using a Berksy story on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, let the most speculated player about uh, for the season uh, for like the fourth year in a row. Uh, let the speculation begin. Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane, reportedly healthy and ready to sign. Patrick Kane, Kaner. He may be ready. He may be ready to sign, but it doesn't sound to me like the Rangers are going to. Uh, inquire about his services. Um, I don't know where he's going to go. I mean, is he going to go back to Chicago? Doubtful, but possible. I I don't think so. Um, Like where he ends up is an interesting question. I want to talk first about help. Um, Because a big part of the article is comparisons to both Ryan Kessler and uh, Nicholas ba- Ryan Kessler, formerly of the Canucks and Ducks, and um, Nicholas Backstrom of the Caps. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously Kessler retired after this series after the injury, 
and the surgery, and Backstrom was significantly less than his best self uh, after returning last year. Does that so should that lead anyone to believe that uh, Patrick Kane is so no one should be believing at this point that Patrick Kane is going to put up his best season now that he's healthy because he had his hip fixed. On the other hand, Patrick Kane is significantly less bulky than Ryan Kessler, who had chronic injuries for six, seven years before he retired. Uh, I want to say that Kessler started the season on the injured reserve at least three seasons in a row before he actually retired. And Nicholas Backstrom has not been healthy in at least five or six years himself. Um, So I don't think that whatever version of Patrick Kane we see next is going to be as poorly to um but i think he's i think he i think he actually has a shot at being a an effective like second liner or overpowered third liner when he returns yes but where is he going to go that i mean if the if the team that's going to sign him and say it is the rangers and Larry Brooks brings this point up quite well, actually. Uh, you, your young guys like Lafreniere is going to lose ice time. He's going to lose power play time. Or it could be Capocaco. Granted, he hasn't hit what the expectations were for Caco, but uh, he's getting – he's better than two seasons ago. and He's improving. But if they if they vowed to – give the young players a chance if he would have come to Boston. I mean, he's taking away ice time from who? Uh, Trent Frederick. Well, he's a right wing, so probably Morgan Geeky. Okay. Bruins don't have $3 million or, or whatever he's going to. He's not going to be signing for one million. He's not going to take a no, Milan Lucic not. deal. He's not coming in at veteran minimum. We can all agree to that. Uh, I don't. I can't see him signing for less than two and a half million. And even then, I I think that that's unlikely. Uh, um. So Boston probably out. Boston is probably um, out. Yes. Of the of the teams that are likely to make the playoffs. Um, it's, it's tough. Um, could Colorado add him towards the end of the season if they wanted to? Maybe. They'd have to move someone. Um, so, I mean, would you look at current cap space at the moment? (laughs) I mean, if you're looking at current cap space, Space or projected cap space. Um, Seattle at him with like current. They're, they're projected to have just about three million at the deadline. That makes sense. He's I mean, Columbus is off to a fantastic start despite the injuries to Wierenski. 
Um, I don't see Detroit adding him. I don't see Nashville adding him. Uh, San Jose, they've got so much else to do. <coughs> Excuse me. I think if there's if the Senators are in position to actually make the playoffs, and but they aren't in someone position goes down, to pay him. But if, assuming someone goes down they, and they can, they feel that they can move someone else. Yeah, I can see that happening. Brooks points out Buffalo, which is the obvious answer because that's his hometown. Buffalo is. Um, Buffalo's got all the cap space in the world for one season. They've got. They're projected to have eight point eight million at at the deadline. Um, you already know who your core is there. So according to according to Cap Friendly, that number you just quoted for Buffalo is at season's end. Based on the daily average cap space value, current roster is assumed to remain unchanged until season's end for this calculation. I mean, it, anybody who wants to sign him, they can manip- they can manipulate, move players, do what they got to do, and free up the money, I'm sure. Uh, I just uh, – I, I think there's a very limited market for his skills. I think every team would love to have him. I don't think every team – can afford him or find a place for him. That being said, there no. are a couple of teams like Detroit where I don't think he would fit in. I think that I, that Steve Eisenman has a game plan and he's working it to whatever perfection he thinks is happening. You look at what they're yeah, doing right now. He's not going to deviate from, from yeah, the you plan. Look, you he's look at what not. he's doing. He's not going to deviate. He's He's got a couple of veterans up there that, uh, unfortunately, they're either really expensive and he's trying to figure out how to get rid of them or they're playing for uh, short money and then he's going to find a younger, faster, stronger kid to fill that space afterward. You know, as ridiculous as it sounds. Could you send him to Arizona? <laughs> Would he sign with Arizona? <laughs> well, you know, since Austin Matthews is going to be traded there any minute, according to one third of the Toronto fan base. Um, sure. But how scary would Arizona be adding him? Uh, I mean, if you're looking at today's standings, I mean, today's standings right now, today have them in third place in the central. Yep. They have a rookie on their team. That's tied for the top spot in rookies. Uh, scoring. They're, they've got a plus four goal differential um, in their five games. This gives me a chance to mention Carol Valmelka, who's ridiculous at the moment right now with his 951 save percentage. <laughs> um, you know, it's 1.65 goals possible. against. I just think that now, it, is he going? Is he the solution for them? No. Is he oh, okay? Well, I, I, that depends on what your criteria for solution is. If you want a guy, like if, if you if the season is six days six days from ending, instead of five games in, yeah. and I'm the Arizona Coyotes and can sign him, 
or acquire him in a trade, I'm absolutely doing it because he has experience and there's no no one on that roster right now actually has experience playing in the playoffs in a Coyotes jersey. Uh, successfully, no. Yeah. I mean, you've got Matt Dumba, who's been there. Yeah, but he's he's he hasn't played for the Coyotes, and he certainly has never won a won a ring. He's playing for the Coyotes now. Maybe you could have Shea Weber come to the locker room and, and give him a – along with, you know, Jason Zucker and Brian Little and Jacob Voracek, who are all uh, on – Voracek and Weber have never won a cup either. True, but they've been to the playoffs, and Shea Weber was actually in the final with both um, Nashville and Montreal. He knows what it takes to get there. Granted, did he win? No, he didn't win a cup with either team. But I just, I'm just, it, it's a foolish idea. I wouldn't do it either. I'm just saying, it, trying to find a landing spot for for Patrick Kane now that, and he, I think he's still a month away, is what Larry said in the article. I think he's still, he he should be ready at the end of the month or in a month's time or, or still rehabbing, but. Is it Kane that says he's ready to go now? If I'm not, it's what's being reported. Whether he's actually said it, whether his friends have said it, whether he said I'm really close to being ready, and his friends or circle adjusted it to, oh, he's ready. He's super ready. Super ready. Okay. I mean, I'd love to see him back in the NHL. I'd love to see him back playing. What he was able to do while he was playing in Chicago, I mean, ridiculous. So, yes, I'd love to see him back and playing again. An interesting place for him to go. Yeah. If they have, if they look good by the, in a month or so. Okay. It might actually be Anaheim. They have plenty of cap space. Yes, but they're not going anywhere. Not this season, anyway. The West is squishy enough that if you add a reasonably healthy Patrick Kane, okay, at minimum you're still playing meaningful games down to the last five or six of the season. I mean, and and I have to agree. Watching Anaheim play Boston, they gave Boston. They gave him fits, especially in that second period. They can run. They can run around you. They've got speed. They they move quick. They they've got crisp passing. They got lots of good young talent. They've got good for. They got good veterans. Enrique is still a decent faceoff man. I'm not saying that it, it's not the worst. It, it, I don't think it's the worst team to go to. Oh, and tell me, San Jose would be the worst team to go to. San Jose is, and I feel so bad. Double for David plus good. I feel so bad for David Quinn. Um, that team is just but, awful. Uh, Thomas Hurdle, what's he doing there? <laughs> just imagine for a moment. Yep. Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, Zegers, and Patrick Kane as your line. 
as your as three of your five power play guys. Sounds like it could be fun times. Sounds like it could be bleeping terrifying. Okay. Uh, what stage of, of Patrick Kane's career would you need for it to be terrifying? Ten years ago? Five years ago? The way he you is don't right actually now? You have to go back that far for him to be for him to be a very effective player. I mean, he had 12 points in 19 games despite the hip injury last year when he went to the Rangers. He had 45 points in the 54 games he played for Chicago before going there. The season before, uh, the 21-22 season, yeah. 92 points in 78 games. Season before that, even if they put 66 him on a, points in 56 games. But even if they put him on the second line with Strom and Retrano and or Strom, even if you leave, I don't know, I don't know if McTavish plays on the top line with. Zegris and Terry. I think he does. I think he plays on the left side. Mm-hmm. Terry, Troy Terry being a right winger, Zegris being the center. So you put him on the second, even if you put him on the second line with Strom and Vetrano, or you move, or you move him to the top line and move McTavish down one. But if if that line has the chemistry that they had last night, I can't see mixing it up. I would leave that line alone. Mm-hmm. But you put Kane on the second line with Ryan Strom, and Ryan Strom looked strong last uh, last night. Vitrano never found a shot he didn't like, still shooting the puck. <laughs> I think he's gotten a little bit more judicial with how often, and but not by much. <laughs> not by much. I, I think Ovi might still be barely out shooting him, but if so, not by much. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, it actually is. I, I hadn't considered it, but, yeah, I guess Anaheim could be. I'm just concerned that Anaheim – I'm concerned that Patrick Kane is going to want to go to a team that's going to the playoffs, and I don't think Anaheim is making the playoffs. Last being as squishy Anaheim as Anaheim is, is going to have to do noticeably better – somewhat better than they did last night in order to make the playoffs. But they're not a terrible team. I don't love their defense. John Gibson is, mm, well, this might be the real John Gibson. Like we've been talking about John Gibson, like he was going to be that 926, 924 guy. He was in the 17, 18, 16, 17 seasons. But the evidence doesn't really support it because anytime he's played more than more than like 45 games, he's under a 920. Okay. Maybe this is who he is. Not all the defense in front of him. And when's, the last, when's the last time he had a really good defense in front of him? I mean, you have to go back to... The, oh, I, I'm not saying that the defense in front of him is perfect. I don't love. I don't. Their defense is eh. The days. Of, I mean, in fairness, they have two 19-year-olds, a 22-year-old, and a 24-year-old on their defense. And Erho Vakaninen is the 24-year-old, which means he's played almost as many games as one of the 19-year-olds. 
Because, I mean, his his downturn started back in the 18-19 season. 58 yeah. games. His goals against was a little high at 284, but he had a 917 save percentage. After that, he's barely scraped over 900. This year, he's got a 907. Uh, you know, he's had a 904. And it's dropped about... 1300, I mean, 917 down to a 904, 903, 904, Is that because they don't have, not only do they not have Windholm, they don't have Montour, they don't have, uh, uh, I forget who the other away a lot, a lot of defense uh, out of that, out Cam of that system in a long time. Well, Cam they still have Cam Fowler, and that's about it. And that's it. Exactly. You look at their defense core, it is basically Cam Fowler and what? Some youngsters. Jamie Drysdale. And Radko Gudis, who, when he's not a meathead, is actually a decent. uh, I mean, you have Fowler. This is their defense right now, according to Cap Rudley. Fowler, Gudis, Labushkin, uh, Jackson. Oh, yeah, 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 Labushkin. Uh, Pavel Mintyakov, uh, Tristan Leno, and Erho Vakaninen. Erho Vakaninen, yes. Erho Vakaninen has played like 70 games in the NHL. But he still has. And, and that's more than Jackson Lacombe, Mintyakubi, and Leno put together by far. But, but we're, are, we're five games in and Vakaninen's still healthy, so. Hey, did, did you did you happen to catch that part of the game last night? Which part of the game? The very very beginning of the game where Erho Vakaninen knocks down Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand delivers exactly the same contact and gets called for it. Oh, I did kind of notice that, yeah. Because uh, I was I was skimming the Reddit forum for the Bruins, and there was a person arguing that yes. uh, Brad Marchand, that they're just going to, that when Brad Marchand responds that way, people are just going to go out of their way to bait him into taking penalties. Oh, my apologies. Last night's game was Vakaninen's first game of the season. So I don't know if he was just a healthy scratch for the first handful or if he was injured but was an arrow back and nine in for the first handful he he that was he he's played in one game and since he played last night that must have been his first game of the season so my apologies to all that i thought he was healthy the whole season he might be healthy but he's not playing all the time and he's only 24 years old yes back to my question no, yes, I saw that. No, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why Brad's hit was called. And it, so, uh, like, my response reputation that that's part of it. They usually catch the retaliation. And my response to people saying that, uh, having seen that discussion, yeah, to people having said that is. So does Lucic not fight guys because they're just trying to keep him off the ice? Or does Mar- does um, McAvoy stop laying people out who throw dangerous hits or weight hits or just hit the high-end players late because people are going to try and bait him into penalties? 
No, I think that's a ridiculous stance and not one supportable by the way the NHL is actually played. And oh, by the way, it has nothing to do with Patrick Kane going to the Anaheim Ducks. Um, which, details, is what, details. Which, is, um, which is what we were actually talking about. I don't know. It, it actually makes more sense. I'll get, uh, I, I will give you some credit. It, it does make more sense than I at first. But I think that he wants to go to a team that's going to make the playoffs, and Anaheim doesn't fit that bill. So, If he's dead set on going to a place where he has a chance to win the Cup, looking at today's standings, yeah. Tell you who that team is. This is true. I mean, Detroit's in this second is, place. Yeah, Colorado in the has started out. Colorado has started out five five and zero. Vegas is now six and zero, which is a new record for defending Stanley Cup champions. Um, they are three and zero on the home, on the home ice, three and zero on the road ice. That's that's pretty impressive. I mean, the schedule has been pretty gentle on people so far. Um, Colorado, yep, they're 5-0. and National Predators are first in the Western Wild Card. Are they going to make the playoffs and do the Cinderella run? Not sure. I mean, Philadelphia Flyers currently lead the Metropolitan Division. Would he three, go? One to, and one. Would he go to Pittsburgh? I mean, they are the. Dare I say they are the geriatric society of the NHL? I mean, Crosby, Carter, Malkin, Latang, Carlson—they're not young. Like he wouldn't even be among the five oldest players on that team. <laughs> They start calling him junior. I mean, yeah. Crosby, 36, Malkin, 37, um, Carter's 38, or the remains of Carter that they keep shoving into a jersey yeah, are 38. Um, Lars Eller is 34. Okay, same age. Crystal Tang is 36. No, there you go. Now we got four older than him. So he'd be like the fifth oldest on the, him and Lars Eller would be like tied for fifth oldest on the team. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I just, yeah, no, I, I, no. But I can't see them having the cap space or being willing to move the guys who are expensive enough. I mean, the only way I can see this happening is if, you know, we get to, a point this season where Jake Gensel says, "I was going to say if they trade Jake Gensel to the Bruins, I'm sick of all of these old guys slowing my career down." Yes. Or Riley Smith says, "Look, I'm not showing up again because whatever." They're all old. <laughs> because you really need to do that. I mean, they are carrying eight forward, eight defensemen. Even if you ship one of them down to the AHL, you're not clearing enough cap space to sign Kane for anything like um, what what's expected. Um, and so many other teams have 
no movement or no trade clauses. Well, Gensel's got a modified no trade. Um, I mean, he gets he gets to submit a twelve team no trade list. I mean, is Ricardo Raquel the guy you end up moving? You ought to be able to get a decent return for him. I'd rather have Gensel, but okay. I'm not saying move to Boston, but I mean, Ricardo, <laughs> I'm saying whoever I was, I'd rather have yeah. Gensel. He's got four years left on his contract. He's only got an eight-team no-trade list, so you're getting term. And you're probably—I mean, you might—in term—in Pittsburgh's case, you're probably asking for a significant return, which means at least one first, at least one second. Cal. He had 28 goals last season. Okay. I didn't know 28 goals um, got you a first-round pick. Wow. How how low the bar has, goal score. How low the bar has fallen. Certainty at five million and four more years under control. I'm sorry, he hasn't scored 30 plus goals in. Yeah, seven or eight years. Yeah. I, I understand. But he did play all 82 games last season, which means he's reasonably healthy. He's played all five games this year. Played 70 games a year before that between the two teams. Uh, Played 14 games and played seven games in Sweden. The year before that, 2021, was that? Yeah. Oh, that was that was the, that was the lovely shortened. That was the lovely 56 games. Oh yes, season. the uh, the paused season. Well, that was 2020, 2021 was was oh, that the, the pause? Was that the 56 game season? Yeah. Yeah, I thought 1920 was the pause because the pause yeah, happened right. in 20. 2020-2021 was the 56 game. Hey, let's try to have a season. With the uh, But he goes back and plays for Sweden. Apparently this is something he's done before because he did it in 17-18. He did it again in 2021. Oh, it's, you know what it is? It's the world championships. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Math-wise. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. 17-4-21. Yeah. Okay. Every four years, though? Interesting. No, three years. Anyway, um, so back to Patrick. Anaheim starting to make more and more sense with every team that we bring up. So, I mean, Minnesota doesn't have a – can't do it, and I don't see him going there. No, I don't think I, – I don't see um, Bill uh, Guerin – Deviating from his game plan either. Uh, the Islanders? Home State? Possibilities. I mean, they ha- they would have to move someone. Uh, there's one more team that I think is worth talking about, but okay. like the Islanders are not. 
They're not in a terrible place cap-wise, um, but if they decide they're going to move on from one or more of their theoretical core and move that person early, yeah, sign Kane. They still have cap space to tweak at the uh, towards the towards the deadline. Okay. Washington. <laughs> Who are we talking about here? Carolina? You love to send people to Carolina. No, I'm not actually thinking of Carolina. I'm trying to guess what you're thinking here. Not succeeding. Um, I'm thinking of a team where he would... Toronto? No. Thank you. I was pretty sure it wasn't there. I'm actually thinking of a team with a couple of other theoretically reformed party boys. Dallas? Dallas it is. Because if your power play consists, your power play units consist of some combination of Sagan, Ben, Hintz, Robertson, Pavelski, um, Faxa, Dadenoff, and Kane, the other team should... um, Change its depends every single time they get a penalty. Oh, let's see. Robertson and Hints aren't going anywhere. Nope. <laughs> Unfortunately. And Sagan and Ben have no movement clauses. Um, so does Pavelski, but he's at three and a half million. So trying to move. Yes, people would take him. But why would you move him? He's got a no movement clause. You can't move him anyway. Take him, but why would you move him at that salary? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. So who? I mean, who are you? Who are you messing around with? Dadnov? No thanks. You want to give me Dadnov? Shane. Yeah, that experiment was tried. Duchesne has no movement restrictions, or quite frankly, you can just sit him. Um, I mean, which is not necessarily a fair thing to say, because last year, 56 points in 71 games for Nashville. The year before, he was the first player in Fred's history to break 30, to break 40 goals. Yep, I remember that. He Um, beat beat, uh, Forsberg by like one game. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> um, but that was handily his best year, the best year of his career. Uh, I mean, you have to go back to, yikes, the 13-14 season where he had 70 points for his next best season after the 21-22-78-86 uh, games, or 86 points. Um, well, no, he also had, uh, 70 in the 1819 season with the split in time between Ottawa and Columbus. I, th- I still think your, your initial argument makes the most sense. I still think Anaheim might be the best landing spot. I can live with that.
Um, let's see. What else is on the board for today? Oh, yes. Trent Frederick. Oh, is this the will he or won't he question from last week, Mr. Frederick? It is indeed the will he or won't he question from last week. Okay. For those whose memories need refreshing, just like mine, um, tra- uh, Trent Frederick had 17 goals in 79 games last year. Um, he has – that was a career high, more than doubling his previous season's uh, previous career high. Um, so the question was, will he or won't he get 17 or more, more goals this year? Um Okay, 17 goals. Uh, through the first five games, he is, he's got one goal, which, if you want to play the math game, puts him at 16.4 goals for the season, assuming he plays all 82. Yeah. Um, which makes the question even tighter. Um, fan vote is actually pretty strongly... Uh, favorable to to Frederick, um, eighty seven and a half percent voted yes. Really, given the way that people um, relieve their bowels all over him all over Twitter on a regular basis, I was really, 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 really surprised that the poll came out a favorable and b that favorable. Okay. So what do you think? Uh, let's see. I'm thinking... <sighs> 17 goals. I don't know. I want to say yes because I want to be a positive and not a negative, but... On the line that he's currently, I mean, I go ahead. I'm just saying I haven't I haven't seen the goal scoring Trent Frederick yet. He still looks like he's just playing the physical game, and he's already been into at least one fight that I've seen. If not, and it two. was a, it was a nice scrap. It was a nice scrap. Um, I'm going to say yes, as long as he plays at least 60 of his games with uh, Coyle. Because the chemistry there is real. And I I think that with Coyle not being a shoot-first guy, it leaves more – it's going to push more pucks to – to Frederick. I'm not saying he's going to score 25 or 30 or 40 or anything like that, but I think he can hit 17 or 18 goals. I will not even be surprised if he hits 20. Okay. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I'm just, 
I haven't seen the goal scoring trend yet. I'm wondering that if and when we do see the goal scoring trend, Frederick, will it maintain for longer than a game or two or a week? Or I like that, you know, once he starts potting goals on a more regular basis, not a regular, but on a more frequent basis. Is it something that becomes contagious and that he keeps doing it? That's what I would like to see. I'm not saying he has to score every night. That's not his role. That's not what he does. He's, But I think he has more ability in him than to only score a handful of goals on the season. So, yes, I think that he can match or exceed. I would love to see it. Here's hoping. I yeah. See, you still you you sound like me. You you're not sold on it. You want to say yes, but you're not sold. Okay. Like I'm not. I'm. I think it's more. If only one of the Bruins making the playoffs and Trent Frederick hitting 17 or more goals happens, it's more likely to be the Bruins hitting the playoffs. That said, I think that I think that it's only slightly less likely than the Bruins hitting the playoffs. I think the Bruins are going to make the playoffs. He's got two. Po- he's got two points in five games. He, I mean, yeah, he's got the one fight. He's got seven penalty minutes. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. I don't know. Last week we talked about. Uh, Warensky getting uh, getting tabbed by the injury ninja. Uh, this week it's Connor McDavid. Ah, um, uh, yes, the injury bug, the injury ninja, as you put it. Like the Warensky injury, this is not deemed to be a serious injury, um, except that it's happening to one of the NHL's favorite cash cows. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Look. I've seen McDavid jerseys here in the Boston area. I didn't know. I didn't know you thought that that Taylor Hall was the NHL cash cow, but thank you for saying that. Um, Taylor Hall is wildly underappreciated by the NHL and has been for a decade. Um, okay. That's not who you were talking about then, huh? No, we were talking about Connor McDavid. uh, Connor McDavid, uh, one to two weeks with the dreaded upper body injury. I thought they only did that during the playoffs. They do that all season long now? I didn't see, I haven't seen video of of whatever may have caused it, whether it was a hit or, or whatnot. Does it? Uh, grabbing at his left hip area after colliding with Josh Morrissey. Okay. So it's LBI. If it is a hip thing, do we think it's only going to be one to two weeks? Unless it was just a stinger? I mean, if it was a stinger, he'd be out one or two games at most. Um, If this is an upper body injury, like if he's grabbing his hip, Bone that should be to support his upper body and take 
like if it's a shoulder and he's trying to take weight, like take the weight of his pads and um, just general musculature off of the shoulder, I can see that. If he's just holding on so as not to scream in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, although the hip is a weird place to grab for that. That's what I don't understand. They're calling it upper body injury, but he's grabbing his left hip. And it says grabbing his left hip, not like holding it or supporting it or pushing on it. Or It says he's grabbing at his hip. Usually, like, if you jar your elbow, you jar your shoulder, you grab it, you're like, ah, you're holding it. You're yeah. trying to. So they're calling it an upper body injury, but your hip isn't really part of your upper body. It's middle to lower. Yeah, that would be torso, maybe, 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 maybe. I, unless there was an injury that. I mean, it's not like they're having, they didn't have the, they haven't had the strongest start to the season either. They won three and one, five games in. I mean, if you look at the video on the Sportsnet uh, website, he got clipped by one of his own players like right at the knee but as he's sitting on the bench he does sort of shift his left shoulder a little weird um i don't know if he was trying to maybe release something release some tension in the elbow if he came down on that um i mean speculation being what it is he could be sitting on the bench and, and shift. It, it, it could be a shoulder injury uh, that happened earlier and all somebody saw was when he collided with Morrissey. So they're assuming the injury is related to that, but it could have happened prior to that. Exactly. With something um, else. So, I, it, I mean, speculating, it, it, we're all over the place with the speculation. I try. That's why we try not to do it. But And when they show the, 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 tape, or the, the footage that they have on the Sportsnet story – they have him standing by the tunnel on his right leg, lifting his left leg and stretching it back and forth. Um, I had hip pain. I generally don't stretch in the manner that he's stretching there when I do, but also I don't tend to get clipped by near 200 pound athletes while skating uh, when I have hip pain. So not going to claim to be a uh, claim to be his surgeon uh, on this one. I remember when I was scrolling through looking for things, something popped up and it said that, or, or an, an article title caught my eye, I should say while I was scrolling through and it said something about him being injured, but he wasn't going to miss, he he wasn't going to miss the heritage classic, the Tim Hortons heritage classic, which is apparently this Sunday or next Sunday. Well, uh, I guess it depends on which story you're looking at because the sports net story seems to imply that he's going to be missing the heritage classic. Right. But I, I saw, um, I didn't grab it at the time I should have, or at least, looked at it more closely, but it said that he didn't, he wasn't going to miss it. He didn't plan on missing it. And I'm thinking if he's out one to two weeks, he's missing it. (laughs) Unless he's going to show up in a suit and support his team from the seventh ring of the stadium or something. I, I just, if you're out one to two weeks and Oh, by the way, the game is like this weekend. 
I think it's this weekend. It's not happening. I love I love the, the the drive and the gumption and the and the want to, but not happening. So I I don't know. It it, it does it does suck to see somebody go down with an injury early in the season. Grateful that it's not more serious than it already is. Uh, wishes for a speedy recovery. I mentioned Taylor Hall since we're met, talking about injury ninjas. The story on him is apparently not quite as happy. Uh, the idea is the, the the belief is that it's week to week, and to quote Luke Richardson, he's going to be out for a bit. He's re-aggravated his sh- left shoulder injury, and it doesn't sound good right now. And it actually happened. In the Bruins game, the second, so when he came back home to Boston in, in game, what was it, one? Apparently, that's when it happened. Or game two. Game uh, it two, was Boston's first game. It was Chicago's second. They had played Pittsburgh in the opener. Right. Game two, my apologies. Game two for them. Game one for Boston. So, again, wishing him a speedy recovery. I mean, everything that he did while he was here in Boston, don't wish any ill will on the guy Total at all. Absolute class act. Uh, I really, really was. I mean, what he was able I, to do for for Trent Frederick. He it's it's weird to say, but he was absolutely a cheerleader for the team and, and for his teammates in in uh, in the locker room and on the ice um, and, and all of the nonsense that we heard about oh he's a locker room cancer Taylor Hall by what measure wanting uh, to win they they were saying the same stuff about uh, the one who got traded from Buffalo to Vegas help me out Buffalo to Vegas, Jack Eichel in his next. Yes, they were saying the same thing about him being a locker room cancer. No, he wants to win and he holds everyone to his standards. Uh, if you don't like, if you don't, if you're not in a competitive sport to win, in which case you will make a whole lot more money, why are you there? Like, literally, why are you there? So according to Luke Richardson, the head coach, he's going to take the next few games and then we'll go week to week to see how he's doing. Uh, that's that's I don't like uh, I don't pretty. like the yeah, I was just say I don't like the way that sounds. Apparently, he originally sustained the injury when he was hit by Brandon Carlo in the first minute of the second period against the Bruins in their second game. Um, he's great. I love this quote. I did. I don't know if this is Luke Richardson not thinking because he's just trying to answer questions. He was great at the start of the year and then got banged up in Boston. 
There's uh, been like six games. <laughs> Exhale. But the injury, but he was great at the start of the year and then got banged up in Boston. Boston was the start of the year. It was literally their second game. <laughs> so it's a, I, I'm, I don't mean to pick on Luke Richardson. I really don't. I, he, I'm sure he's had to answer a lot of questions about the situation. He's probably sick and tired of talking about it. He wants to just get back to the business of coaching, I'm sure. But it just sounds and reads very odd. But he said he he said that Taylor Hall showed a lot of character coming back in the Toronto game. He plays a physical game more than people would give him credit for. And we saw that when he played here in Boston. Good two way game going. So that's a good role model for the younger guys. Guy that's won the MVP with the Devils in 2018. First overall pick known to be a skill guy, speed guy. But he plays both ways, plays the right way, takes hits to make plays. We're going to miss that for sure, but that's opportunity for other guys to see what he did and try to emulate that. Not once do you get anything of an impression from him that he's an issue in the locker room. Nope. Example for the younger guys. Role model for the younger guys. Excuse me. Good role model for the younger guys. There you go. Boom. So enough with the crap of him being a locker room anything except for – Good for the locker room. A locker room leader is about any all anyone should be saying about him. Sounds more accurate than locker room eek cancer. I don't like that word. Uh, not good. But yeah, speedy recovery to both Taylor and Connor. Uh, absolutely. Um, at some point, we're going to get both of these guys back and both of their teams are going to be in a much, well, they'll be more competitive. How much more competitive? Very good question. Edmonton struggling even when they had him. Chicago, they're in a rebuild anyway. I mean, yeah, it's tough to say because Edmonton could rebound when they get him back. Uh, Try, right now, has, right now, I want right now, I want to say, will the real Edmonton Oilers please stand up? Because the last two years, they played like playoff performers. This year, suddenly they're not, and they haven't really rolled over the 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 the, the roster all that much. I don't know. I just eek. so it says here rookies. And I don't remember putting this up, but somebody at the in pre-show said that I wanted to talk about rookies. Had to have been Cisco. <laughs> the third member of our team, yes. <laughs> Maybe he wants to talk about rookies. That could be why he was, uh, you know, vocalizing earlier. We weren't starting with his story. He did say that he thinks it's pretty disrespectful that people aren't talking about Leo Carlson uh, for the Calder. Really? Because... What about Adam Fantilli? I mean, seriously. Look, that's that's his opinion. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't I'm not going to say he's wrong, but I think that we need to get more than ten games into the season before we start handing out awards. Even if Matthew Poitras is on pace to challenge for the Calder and take home the Lady Bay. 
Well, therein lies the first issue of rookies. I mean, okay, yes, right now, if you want to talk actual stats, rookies, Connor Bedard is at the top of the list. I hope it's just because of alphabetizing, because, or maybe it's because he has two goals and Ridley Gregg only has one, but they both have four points. Logan Cooley has four points, but he only has four assists, no goals. So maybe that's why they rank one, two, three. Uh, Correct. Patras, or Patois, or however he wants it pronounced, uh, for the Bruins, who's on his little nine-game exhibition, I think yep. he's pretty much sealed it that he's going to be staying for longer than nine games, unless he really he's, falls apart in the next four. He's going to have to uh, pull the old double, uh, the old double uh, Sagan and show up in the same clothes three days in a row, maybe two days in a row um, for, and I don't see any signs of that because he's legit just looks like an NHL player since training camp. Well, he, he was, he, he was struggling in, in the San Jose game. We could see it, the team and, and he actually admitted it, uh, for whatever reason, he was struggling in the San Jose game. He wasn't looking strong, but he came back, rebounded in the L.A. game, scored his two scored scored two goals in the Anaheim game. One of which was, yeah, it went off of John Gibson's arm. It still went in. They don't count how they count how many. But the second goal was very pretty rebound from a, a Jake DeBrusque shot that uh, Gibson didn't control the rebound and it came right out. And he just planted it over Gibson's left shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. It was pretty goal. The second goal was I, – I, I think that even over the fact that he got two goals in three and a half minutes or so, Yep. the fact that it was a really skilled goal scorer's goal is excellent for him because he's not no, – like he's not known for his goal scoring. No, he's he had ninety five. He had ninety five assists last year on, and I uh, forgive me, I didn't look up what his OHL team is that he's going to be going back to. But well, he had ninety five, and yeah. he even admitted in a post game interview that he's a playmaker. So that's his bread and butter is is collecting apples. Ninety five of them last year. I mean, damn. I mean, that's a that's a nice orchard. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice orchard. It's a couple of bushels and then some. Uh, so, yeah, for him to score goals is not – and I don't know how many he had. Was he only at like 15 goals or something like that? I mean, it was a low number. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was double digits, but it wasn't It wasn't super – it wasn't super high. It, looks, it looked a lot like most of Krejci's years. Okay. I mean, they're ready to compare the, the. They were ready. They were ready to compare. I'm only talking about distribution. Of okay, points. Like, say, we're not. We're not comparing him to anybody here. We don't. We do. We don't. We try not to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to say we definitely don't because I'm sure somewhere along the way in the last five years we've done it, but we try not to do that. It's not fair to the player. It's not fair to 
the player that he's being compared to. What was it? I'm, I'm actually looking it up because it's bugging me now. What his team was, but eh. I just, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think that they can afford to send him back. I think it, the chemistry that he's created, even in the first five games and what he's going to create over the next four. And then you're going to turn around, send him back. And again, if he was struggling or if he obviously needed more, more seasoning, yes, but he clear his hockey IQ is high. His playmaking ability, his puck handling skills. He's not afraid to go into, into corners. He's not afraid to get himself a little dirty and honestly, the thing that I was most oh, worried was, about he was with this blend. He was with Twelve Storm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. He's done better at absorbing and avoiding contact than I was afraid of. Um, yeah, five eleven, one eighty. I was concerned with his ability to take hits, but he seems to be rebounding okay. I haven't seen anything that's really put him down. That's Granted, he's only five games into the season, but I haven't seen anything that's really put him down, held him down. And just, yes, last season, it was it's the Guelph Storm, and 95 was the total number of points. I apologize, not how many assists, total number of points. He had 16 goals and 79 assists, you know, because 79, 95, you know. Yes. Yeah, I, the huge difference there. I understand that it's 16, but... Uh, 79 assists is still ridiculous when you're scoring 16 goals, and that's in 63 games. So that's, better better than an assist a game. <laughs> yeah, the kid's a playmaker. So is he going to stick around? Yeah, I think that he's going to stick around. I wasn't I think, sure. I think particularly after the second goal last night, he there's there's almost no chance he's he's sent back. He's going to have to not only screw up but screw up by the numbers in a way that just can't be ignored. Yeah. His faceoff percentage is not the strongest, although it is better than Connor Bedard's. It's actually higher than Coyle's is too right now. So. Oh really? Yeah. I that I didn't know. I'm just looking at I'm looking at the rookie standings and. Right now, Logan Cooley is actually at 52.1. Potois is at 45.7. Ridley Gregg is at 42.2. And then Connor Bedard, you know, the, the, the second coming is only at 35.1. So I would probably tell Connor that he needs to work on his faceoffs. Just saying. And maybe Potois needs to shoot a little bit more because his shooting percentage is 25 and he's got two goals. He might need to shoot a little bit more. You know, I I know it's not his game. We just talked about it. I'm being funny, but <laughs> two goals I'm, on each shot. I'm not worried about it because he's doing all of the other stuff. Oh yeah. Well. Um. So if he doesn't, I mean, at the end of the year we can both sit here and say that no one is going to be dissatisfied if we get to 
May 1st, we look back at the regular season and he had 13 goals and 60 assists. Do I think, do I genuinely think those are going to be the numbers? No. Do I think that that's not very far off from what the distribution might look like? I, I can see it being something like that. Fair enough. Is there any rookies that we're overlooking though? Any, any on, on your mind? Like, I think that Fantilli, unfortunately he plays for Columbus, so he's not in a big market that's going to catch a lot of attention, which I think is going to hurt him. He's got two points in five games. Uh, like Connor Bedard, he's, they are the only two players, rookies in the top 10 of rookies that have minus numbers and plus minus. Um, I think Brock Faber is going to be overlooked in Minnesota. Uh, number one, he's a defenseman. Number two, he's in Minnesota. Yeah. And at 21, people are going to hold his age against him, which makes me want to throw up. Um, but he's got two points already. He's a uh, in five games, a goal and an assist. He's a plus two, two pims. He's in five games so far this season. He's averaging twenty three oh eight a night. There you go. You're hitting on. That's the number I was going to bring 23, up. Twenty three oh eight. And yes, he needs to shoot more too because his shooting percentage is sixteen point seven. Rookie rookie defenseman averaging twenty three minutes a night. And did did Adam Fox or Kale McCarr average that in their rookie seed? They probably did, but. Um, we talked about Leo Carlson uh, when we brought when we when we got to the topic. Yeah. Um, we we briefly mentioned that Jackson Lacombe out in uh, Anaheim is a rookie. Um, I would love to tell you that John Beecher is going to compete for uh, the Calder, and it would be a fantastic thing to watch. You can win faceoffs. Fifty-three point two percent, but. You know, he's he's playing fourth line minutes. He's got one assist and is a minus one. And he's only playing. He's only averaging 1038 a night. I know. Um, he plays. He, he plays a lot of power, uh, penalty kill time, too. He does. Um, he can kill penalties. That was one of the things. One of the things about him coming out of Michigan. Everybody was like, oh, who's this John Beecher guy? You know. I'm telling you, this kid can kill penalties. He may not be, he's not going to be, you know, first line center material, but he can kill penalties. He can play two way. He knows where his defensive zone is. And that's why I like him. I mean, adding any goal scoring he does is, is, is bonus material. And he did it. Okay. in in college, he he wasn't Michigan's number one goal scorer either. I don't know if he was worthy of the number one pick that the Celtics that the Celtics. Oh my goodness, uh, the number one pick that the Bruins gave him. But I think that they could have gotten away with getting him in a second or a third round position. But it's still what he's capable of as far as killing penalties and and playing a a, a two hundred foot game. He can do it. And he's got size. He's got a little bit of speed. It's straight line, like we talked about with Milan when he was younger. His speed straight line was great. He's not going to dipsy doodle and 
he's not going to do multiple dekes or anything like that. He, his speed is pretty much, you know, point A to point B. Is he going to sit in 30th in points as far as rookies are concerned? Eh, he might move up a little bit. I don't know if he's going to crack top 10. So you're saying that what we can realistically expect from him is if he gives us an average Greg Campbell season, we're getting we're getting everything we want from him. Yeah, I like Greg Campbell. <laughs> I'll take Greg Campbell as a as a as a as a measuring stick. I don't know. I, you expecting 25, 25, 30 points out of the kid? If I if we see twenty points out of him in the year, I will be very happy. I think he can get between twenty and twenty five. Um, I, I think, let's put it this way: I think he's capable of it. Will he get it on this particular team, playing on the fourth line? With Lauko and Lucic, or Lauko and uh, Patrick Brown. Whoever's next. Yeah, no, they well they played him with Brown and, and it's like I I don't know Brown does I I'm not wowed by Patrick Brown. Is that name Patrick Brown? Pat, this is Patrick Brown. We had another Brown, Josh Brown, a couple of years ago. No, oh, that was the defenseman. Yes. Yeah. So right now, rookies are doing with the rookies are pretty much lining up where we'd expect, I guess. I mean, Bedard's expected to be the runaway, but he's not really running away. So it'll be an it's going to be an interesting watch, I think. I don't think that any one of these guys is. uh, Do I think Bedard's going to end up winning it in the end? Probably. Most likely. Although I think Leo, as I said, I think Leo Carlson has the juice to give him a run. Yeah, and I think that what levels the field for them is that neither one of them is going to the playoffs. You don't think Petrovsky sticks around after Game Nine would give him a run on the Bruins? Petrovsky is going to have to play at a higher level than most NHL observers are prepared to believe he can. Okay, which means he's. He, he's literally going to have to do something he's never done before, really done before, and become that goal scorer. He's going to have to. He would have to actually crack 20 goals this season. I don't know if that's. I don't know if. I mean, I like what I've seen from him. I've said this a thousand times. But I don't know if that's his NHL game. I'm not even sure that we should be chasing that as his NHL game, given how good a distributor he is. To be honest, we probably just need to let him. I think the less the press messes with him, the better. I think. I think with all uh, that's one of the things that I I not I'm a little less worried about is I don't know that the press is going to necessarily rattle him the way it might some players because he's he knows that a he knows what where his skills are mm-hmm. b i think that even if they tell him or told him after the game last night go go find an apartment or go sign a lease or whatever that 
he just feels like the type of guy who's going to show up and keep doing it um, and keep living the dream. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a cliche. I think he's just going to – I don't think he's going to get lost in it, either A, throw himself too deeply into it so that he gets inside his own head or B, just get lost in the, success, in the early success and think that he never has to worry about succeeding in the NHL again. Yeah. I can see that. So I don't know about you, but I've only got one. I only see one more thing on the board and go for it. I just wanted to mention it because it made me feel good. I mean, I think we need to be doing this in America, too. But for now, we'll accept it. But I was scouting around looking for something to close out the show on a good note. And I come across this. And Boston Bruins legend Willie O'Ree to be honored on a new Canadian postage stamp. Later this month, October 30th. Canada will be releasing a postage stamp, Willie O'Ree, celebrating his life and legacy. He's originally from Fredericton, New Brunswick. He didn't play a whole lot of games in the NHL, but he sure as heck made an impact. Absolutely. Um, I and, and his impact has actually come, I want to say, his impact during his, his brief NHL career was one thing, but his impact afterward, what he's done with kids and what he's done to grow the sport. He's legitimately one of the most important hockey figures of the last 20 years, like the last 20 years, despite not having played any time in that period, not being an owner, not being a, um, not being a general manager. He's still legitimately that important to the league because let's be honest, he's done so much to expose the league, not just to black, my uh, black Latino players and everything, mm-hmm. but just to keep it visible across demographics that the league tends to ignore. Um, I I think that this is, you know, he's already been inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think this is a great honor for him, and I think it's well-deserved. Um, I got to see if I can get my hands on one is what I got to do. <laughs> I do know a couple of people in Canada, and I may make them send me a couple of uh, books of Willie O'Ree stamps. Can I, can I impress upon you to grab me some as well? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, cool. I just love the I love the fact that when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, they did it in the builder category. It, because if anybody is more it, it, it affected, uh, has had more effect on the building of the NHL, the 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 future of it, the foundation, the you know, working to foster more inclusion, combating racism. The description of builder is coaching, managerial or executive ability, or ability in another significant off-ice role, sportsmanship, character, 
and contributions to his or her organization or organizations and to the game of hockey in general. And it's that last part that he embodies more so than anything else. Significant off-ice role, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to organizations and to the game of hockey. He defines that. With what he does. Like, you can't, like, I don't need any convincing on this point. Um, The more you get to know who and what Willie O'Ree is and how he contributes to the greater hockey community. And yes, I normally laugh hysterically when people talk about um, fandoms and stuff like that as a community. Um, I've spent more than enough time in uh, certain other other places where fandom is used (laughs) to know how many, 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 many divisions and micro divisions there can be in one theoretical fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't it, it's really hard to not know who Willie O'Ree is if you call yourself a hockey fan like really really hard to not know who he is it can be done but you'd, not you'd have incredibly to, I'm going to say you'd have to be not paying attention or just on, on purpose. purpose on purpose yep so I just wanted to end with that because it made me feel good. As one does, as one should. And that, ladies and gentlemen, hockey fans of all ages, is where we leave you. Have a wonderful week. We should be back to our normal Sunday recordings next week, which means it's only six days away. Only Enjoy six days away. Take care. <laughs>